0: Here we are, it's 2024, back on a uh, another episode, or again, I mean, I would say that these are episodes by now on the Dr. Zero Trust show, let's just call it show, I'm going to go with that, podcast thing that I do, Um, yeah, welcome to the new year, so far, it's, uh, what is today, the fourth, it's already been pretty nuts, uh, we haven't seen the crazy breach stuff that I thought we would see over the holidays, which honestly... Is pretty good. Uh, I think that that's encouraging. Didn't see major takedowns. Didn't see uh, you know the the typical cataclysm that we found on a whole lot of uh, organizations over the you know in the last years of the holidays, whatnot. So I was slightly encouraged over the holidays that I did not see um, you know the the crushing misery that has typically occurred over the holidays. I, I even think we made it through my voice is breaking a little bit there. Soon I'll start getting zits and hair in funny places. Uh, I, I didn't even see guess, you know, really big things going over Thanksgiving, um, black Friday, cyber Monday, all that. So overall, um, in just general, super broad terms, I think the end of 2023 was somewhat encouraging as we line up on 2024. Uh, and you know, now we're moving even further forward. So Whatever you're doing out there, folks, to some degree, uh, everyone always talks about the doom and gloom and FUD and all the other, you know, misery things that are going on here constantly. We're, we're doing a little bit better. Maybe there's hope. Maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and hopefully it's not a train. Now, even though I just said that, let's get into some of the news articles and the things that we need to know about that are going on right now because, uh, man, it's getting crazy. Uh, this article was published in STAT News, STAT News, um, super interesting, from uh, uh, Hannah Nespra, Claire McGlave, and Saya Nickpay. And I think I got those right. If I didn't, I apologize. But this is this is crazy. So they tried, and this is the title of the uh, the article here, we tried to quantify how harmful hospital ransomware attacks are for patients. Here's what we found. Uh, and it says this article is part of a partnership between First Opinion and Tradeoffs, a nonprofit news organization. So, on a Thursday, blah blah, it talks about kind of the narrative that's going on there, but really, it's it's getting into the uh, details of how bad a ransomware attack is and the statistics that tell you what the real issue is. So, healthcare is a hacker's playground for a few reasons. First, it's a maze of electronic systems. Have you been to the hospital lately? Matter of fact, the last time I was there, uh, I was uh there for somebody's surgery and just the uh, red teamer and me couldn't resist i was looking at the wireless network and i could see the da vinci robot from the room that i was in and they were using the da vinci robot on the person that i was there for for the operation uh probably shouldn't have been you know that accessible but anyway uh for hospitals there are ehrs imaging machines scheduling communication software electronic monitoring equipment telehealth platforms and many 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 other things Um, second many users of these electronic systems are distracted they're doctors and nurses they are concerned about saving lives not whether or not they're not clicking on a phishing link Uh, put another way physicians nurses and clinicians aren't focused on identifying phishing yeah like i just said they're trying to help sick patients third healthcare is a matter of life and death particularly in hospital settings if you've ever been to the emergency room uh especially like you know, if you've ever been there for a, a cardiac related thing, it's 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 life and death. When a ransomware attack forces providers to choose between paying the ransom and providing inadequate care, excuse me, <laughs> the former may be legitimate choice, though it goes against every recommendation for law enforcement. And I can tell you, because I sat and did an advisory with a hospital a few years ago, the, it was a physician-owned hospital, uh, and we talked about cyber this, cyber that, whatever else. And at the end of it, the doctor that kind of owned and ran the hospital, um, he literally said, and I'm quoting here. He said, I don't give a shit about cyber. I'm here to save lives. Now, my point to him was, well, can you save lives if I shut down your network and they kind of got it, but I, I get it right. There's the point is if you take the hospital, uh, just at its face value, hospitals are, uh, really more concerned with just getting work done and making sure that people survive. Um, the, the the data that comes out here is essentially what they're looking at is a, a roughly 5% of the people who go to a hospital could be negatively impacted by a ransomware event. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but if your family member is part of that 5% and they can't get the surgery that they need, I'm sure it would matter to you then. If you're someone going in for cancer treatment and you're part of that 5%, it matters to you then. And and then if you think about that, that's 5% that they're they're stating in this statistical study for just ransomware. There's other things that can affect hospital networks, hospital systems, IOT, DDoS, all those. So it's probably a larger uh, statistical uh, value that we should really be concerned about. And, uh, you know, we talk about critical infrastructure other than services that are critical to health and life. What else is more critical than healthcare? I mean, I would say that that definitely should fall under uh, the umbrella that we're trying to put out there. So as I always do, I'll share the links to this at the end of this. But um, I think the terms around what is critical infrastructure need to be amended because hospitals and healthcare should be part of that. Uh, And if you're a Russian organization or you're a North Korean, whatever, and you come after a hospital in the United States, you're breaching critical infrastructure. That's my perspective on it. Okay, so 23andMe, if you haven't heard about their breach, they had a breach. Uh, it's been out there, but in I guess you'd call it one of the all-time jackass moves that I've seen. Um, 23andMe, and this is an article in TechCrunch by uh, Lorenzo. Uh, and I'm not going to try and say his last name because it's way too complicated. But 23andMe tells victims it's their fault that their data was breached. Well done, 23andMe. Facing more than 30 lawsuits from victims of its massive data breach, 23andMe is now deflecting the blame to the victims themselves, and I am a customer of 23andMe, so politely between you and me, 23andMe, go to hell, in an attempt to absolve itself from any responsibility, according to a letter sent to a group of victims seen by TechCrunch. Rather than acknowledge its role in the data security disaster, 23andMe has apparently decided to leave its customers out to dry while downplaying the seriousness of these events. Hassan Zaviri... One of the lawyers representing the victims uh, who received the letter from 23andMe told TechCrunch. In December, 23andMe admitted that hackers had stolen the genetic and ancestry data of 6.9 million users, about half of its customers. Luckily, it's just your DNA, right? Like, you can change that shit if you feel like it. Jesus. The data breach started with hackers accessing around 14,000 user accounts. The hackers broke into this first set of victims by brute forcing accounts, which shouldn't work with passwords that were known to be associated with targeted customers, which is basically credential stuffing from those 14,000 initial victims. However, the hackers were then able to uh, access the personal data of other people in the system uh, because they had opted into the 23andMe DNA relatives feature. Again, I'm a member of that. That's how I found some cousins of mine. Uh, The optional feature allows customers to automatically share some of their data with people who are considered or not considered that are their relatives genetically on the platform. In other words, by hacking into only 14,000 customer accounts, the hackers subsequently scraped data of 6.9 million customers whose accounts were not directly hacked. So because you're related to that person and because you share DNA information, they were able to scrape that. And the letter from 23andMe basically says, uh, therefore, this is a quote, by the way, the incident was not a result of 23andMe's alleged failure to maintain reasonable security measures. mm mm-hmm. Uh wow um yeah. The breach impacted millions of consumers whose data was exposed through the DNA Relatives feature on 23andMe's platforms. Not because they use recycled passwords. I have not used recycled passwords on 23andMe, but my stuff was taken. Of those millions, only a few thousand accounts were compromised. Uh, and then they're basically shirking their responsibility because they were able to scrape that data. So they kind of just said, "Well, it was only 14,000 accounts that actually were the breach." But then the other side was just relatable and they pulled the data and you're screwed and tough shit for you. So, yeah, that's really, really not cool. Um, (laughs) uh, After disclosing the breach, 23andMe reset all customer passwords and then required all customers to use multi factor auth, which was optional before the breach. So, again, like back to the simplest stuff, just if there's an option for MFA wherever you're at, just turn it on. Quit your bitching if you're bitching about it and turn it on because it makes a massive difference. It is it is way better. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is, is MFA unhackable? No. Is there phishing resistant and all those other things? Sure. But is it is it bulletproof? No, nothing is bulletproof. But is it eliminating the low-hanging fruit? You bet your sweet ass it is. So if you're doing something on an app, on a server, on a whatever, and there's an option or an ability to enable MFA, please God, turn MFA on. It's just, it's just worth it. It is. And if you can't take the three seconds out of your day to uh, hit the authenticate button when it comes through, just stop buckling your seatbelt too when you drive around. Cause it's that simple. Like I, I literally can tell you if, that when I've gotten my truck and buckled the seatbelt, it's as fast and as easy as clicking the authenticate thing inside of an application for MFA. And they're both vital to my security and safety. So just do it. And it it shouldn't even be a conversation. Uh, Wicker, W I C K R is dead. Joseph Cox published this in 404 media.co. Good article. Uh, If you're not familiar with Wicker, it's basically just going to say reconnecting, but Wicker has been around for a while. Um, It's, no longer available to download in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. No more new users have been in there for more than a year. Uh, and now current users cannot talk to another. So basically, Wicker started in 2012. Um, basically, that it was built for kind of private conversations, secure messaging. Uh, encryption was ever, was part of it as well. Um, and then, unfortunately for Wicker, it didn't really kind of take off the way that they wanted it to it wound up becoming a uh avenue for mainly criminals to use drug traffickers um others that would use this because there was the uh encryption capability and it was good at keeping people from looking at what you were doing which if you're a bad person you don't want people looking at what you're doing uh here's a quote from this article as years passed, authorities started to clamp down on the dark net markets which we've seen where people accessed Amazon-like drug marketplaces, typically using the Tor network. Um, more Wicker users were selling narcotics through Wicker. Uh, this is the authors talking about, I remember being added to huge groups of chats with waves of users and, and hosts selling cocaine, prescription pills, and much more. One participant at the time decide, uh, described Wicker along the lines of the new dark web. Uh, the, article, the author says, I think that title ultimately went to Telegram, which I would agree with that where the broadcast channel style feature is incredibly popular with criminal hackers, fraudsters, and drug dealers. In other cases, dealers, direct messages, uh, direct message individual users with their offers. I wasn't the only, this is the author again. I wasn't the only person that saw this beyond voluminous media reports and some studies for or for media's own Sam Cole. Another author told me that Wicker was her first weed ordering app. Her street dealer uses part of the weed delivery service. Yeah. Um, Uh, Additionally, in 2021, there was a report that Customs and Border Protection paid Wicker $700,000 for a number of Wicker licenses. In parallel to its free Wicker app, Wicker had developed an enterprise version that allowed governments or businesses to send encrypted messages to one another, but still collect and audit messages if necessary. Uh, CBP CBP planned to deploy Wicker across all components of the agency as part of a $900,000 contract. Um, if you go to this article, you can look at the FOIA request. You can see what CBP was doing there. Um, it's not like it didn't happen. So, you know, uh, yeah. Wicker also had contracts with the U.S. Air Force and Army. Another version of its product was called Wicker Ram, which was for warfighters. There are Air Force documents around that as well. Uh, and then also showed up with inqtel CIA, and a few other organizations. So... Um, Right. So it was basically kind of taking government and crime and moving them all into this app, this uh, messaging application. And that's a no, no. And uh, it kind of just fell apart. So this is a really interesting article, especially the fact that you can literally look at the documents here because FOIA is a beautiful thing. Uh, there's an article, too, on uh, Globe Newswire about Zero Fox. They were awarded a $289 million uh, award from the U.S. Office of Personal Management for Digital Identity Protection Services. Now, if you're not familiar with ZeroFox, this is, you know, they do uh, external cybersecurity. They do kind of brand protection, individual stuff. But um, this is a pretty large award, quarter of a billion dollars uh, or more. Uh, and it's OPM uh, that's doing this. Uh, consistent with prior awards and new awards are structured as a series of options that may be exercised by OPM. Uh, they've enrolled millions of individuals into digital identity protection services received and responded to millions of calls from enrolled individuals. Zero Fox has proudly maintained a 100% success rate in restoring identities and response. Now, my question is like, I'm a, I am someone that was breached with OPM cause I had my stuff on my SF 86 and all my polys and everything else in there. Uh, zero Fox, you going to help me with any of that stuff that's been floating around. Um, veterans, are we going to get access to this? Like what other value is there for us on this whole thing? Um, and I think zero Fox also is somebody that had a bunch of layoffs if I'm not wrong back in, uh, September, October timeframe. So are they going to staff up? What do they do with the people side of this equation? Uh, help net security has got a good article facts and misconceptions about cybersecurity budgets. Um, everybody always talks about budging, uh, pretty interesting stuff. So <clears throat> here's some data that you should take away. Most cybersecurity investments aren't used to their full advantage. I would thousand percent agree with this. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, 87% of the people surveyed are prioritizing cloud infrastructure, uh, security investments. 85% are prioritizing, Uh, optimizing it costs. So less new buy more getting better with what you already have. AI related security fears drive spending worldwide. IT spending is about 5.1 trillion in 2024 estimated to be an increase of 8% from last year, according to the company. That's the firm that starts with a G. Um, yeah. So that's where they're going to invest and grow. I guess there's this article lacks a little bit of follow on there. One in five CISOs miss out on a pay raise. Hmm. The most recent average CISO total compensation increase was 11%, down from 14% the previous year. This year, 20% of CISOs did not receive a raise, double that of a year ago, while the share of CISOs with bigger retention bonuses and equity packages also declined. So maybe the role of the CISO is not the super sexy, cool thing that it once was, and uh, there's some restrictions going on there. Uh, cybersecurity budgets show moderate growth. Uh, looks like spending has increased up to about 11%, moving towards 19% towards the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite risky, uh, excuse me, rising insider risk costs, budgets are wasted in the wrong places. Uh, 88% of organizations surveyed spend less than 10% of their total IT budget on insider risk management. You should be spending more than that. Insider risk is what will eat your ass alive. Organizations had an IT security budget of about $2,500 per employee, yet only $200 per employee was allocated specifically to insider risk programs and policies. Economic volatility drives businesses to MSPs. 32% of respondents said they're moving towards MSP, which is good. Most organizations shouldn't be doing this themselves. You should be leveraging an MSP. Uh, increased spending doesn't translate to improved posture. This is great. Uh, let's see. Respondents said a further 40% rise, uh, would help them. Now that's kind of weird the way they worded that out, but yeah. So more than half of the people surveyed would spend money on hiring security specialists shortly followed by investment in security awareness training. Jesus Christ. Why do you spend so much money on security awareness training folks like it is it's flushing money down the toilet. You're, uh, I took a, a end-of-year cybersecurity training thing that I had to do for uh, work stuff. It was torture. Like I would have rather gone to the dentist and the proctologist and got the tools mixed up and go through that. Um, you're not going to train people out of breaches or clicking phishing links or whatever else. Just put technology in there. Train them, but don't rely on it. And especially 50%, I mean... You got enough proof. How much money do you got to flush? Uh, yeah. Uh, CIOs prioritize new technologies over stack optimization. So, I mean, if you really crawled through this whole article, what you would see is there's a lot of double talk and there's a lot of, uh, or I guess you'd call it miscommunication between silos within side of infrastructure. Like why, Why further up in the article is a CISO talking about optimization, whereas down here, a CIO is talking about new stuff. Like, how is that going to work out? I mean, it's great that there's at least the investment going on, but if we're not speaking the same language and we're not talking about the same things, how is anything ever going to get fixed? Uh, The register. Freight giant Estes refuses to deliver ransom, says personal data open and stolen. So stand by for a breach there. Jessica Lyons Hardcastle wrote this one of America's biggest private freight shippers Estes express lines has told more than 20,000 customers that criminals stole their personal information. Uh, the Mm -hmm. family owned billion dollar biz indeed disclosed a cyber attack in October, but we're just hearing about this now, I guess. And at the same time said the intrusion affected it's IT infrastructure, because that's kind of how that works. By October 24th, Chief Operating Officer Webest has posted a video on X, so he posted on Twitter, well done, dummy, announcing that the company had completely restored our systems and capabilities. Uh-oh, like that's when things go wrong when you do it that fast. A month later, wah wah, ransomware crew Lockbit took responsibility for the intrusion and said it leaked data stolen from the Biz. Then on New Year's Eve, they filed a breach notification with the main attorney general that provided some additional details about the breach break-in, which now says was indeed because of the ransomware. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, they didn't pay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they didn't pay. It was looked like a $15 million sort of loss, um, which is not a big deal for them, being as large as they are. but again like if you're an organization and this stuff happens to you don't be so quick to run out there and say nothing's been hit nothing's been stolen blah 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 it will come back to bite you in the ass i don't know how many times we've seen this i don't know why it is that people continue to be so obtuse and not just go well it could happen to us we're in the same ballywick and bandwidth as everyone else like Everybody gets breached. Everything is potentially hackable. Strategy is what matters. Uh, I, I mean, I've said the same stuff for years now. But don't run out there and say we're back up. Especially don't do it on Twitter or X. Well, why the Why the fuck is Twitter now X? It, other than that, Elon's just trying to crush that company because he's pissed. Uh, and just to you know clarify this whole point on how a security company can be hacked. I mean, just like I said, bleeping computer. Mandiant's account on X hacked to push a cryptocurrency scam. And this was as of yesterday. Uh, Twitter account of American cybersecurity firm and Google subsidiary Mandiant was hijacked today to impersonate the phantom crypto wallet, uh, to impersonate a phantom crypto wallet and share a cryptocurrency scam. The Mandiant said, we are aware of the incident impacting our Mandiant X account and are working to resolve the issue. Um After getting control of the account, the attacker renamed it to Phantom Soul W and promoted a fake website impersonating the Phantom crypto wallet and promising to distribute free Phantom tokens as part of an airdrop. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Those who click the claim airdrop button and don't have the Phantom wallet installed will get redirected to the legitimate site where they will install it. Once installed, it will try to automatically drain the target's cryptocurrency wallet. However, the Phantom wallet now warns. That the scammers' website is part of a phishing attack. Um, the threat actor behind this attack, since deleted the scam tweet, is now using it to troll Manny and saying, "Sorry, change password, please." LOL. Check bookmarks when you get account back. So kind of harsh. 122,000 followers, and they got hit. Um, yeah, this account. Uh, I mean, uh, any organization anywhere can be hacked. Um, there is no perfect security um mandiant has been worth a shitload of money they're the ones that do all the breach investigations uh like if there's ever an organization that i don't know um would you know be uh, aware of what this whole thing is it's them and they got hit like everybody can get hit that's just what it is it's not even not even honestly a newsworthy article or a newsworthy thing anymore um, we just that's just the nature of doing business digitally. You're going to be potentially compromised. Uh, yeah. 24 minutes in it is January 4th. Um, the year is going to be crazy. We are coming up on the election cycle. You're going to see increased targeting. You're going to see increased fake news. You're going to see increased disinformation campaigns. You're going to see increased deep fakes, um, voice fakes, all those things. So it's going to be coming from different nation states. I, I, Personally, um, I will be surprised if we're not staring down the barrel of a conflict with China and Taiwan by the end of this year, maybe by the summer. Um, the U.S. nationally, I don't think, can keep up with wars on many fronts. And I think China knows that. And if I think Xi said it during his most recent uh, presentation that he looked forward to rejoining with Taiwan. So when the president of the country that might invade you says they're looking forward to it, probably not good. Uh, Anyway, does that mean be afraid? No. Um, Just be aware. Be smart. Pay attention. Ask questions. Do your own research. uh, Those types of things. Anyway, it is uh, 25, 26 minutes into this. I like to let everybody get back to what they're doing. I hope that you have a great new year. I hope that you had a good holiday. Uh, Look for more stuff from myself and others. And as always, stay smart, stay safe, stay secure. I will catch you on the next one. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.